It may offend a few folks, but I can afford it. You know, Lyle, it seems today that all you see is violence in movies and sex on the TV. But where are those good and old-fashioned values on which we used to rely? I suppose it's lucky that there is a family guy, you know. We're lucky that there's a man who positively can do all the things that make us laugh and cry. He's a family guy! Welcome, welcome to So To Speak. My name is Evan Mead. I'm Lyle Groninger. And today we have a show for you about a family guy. Or more appropriately, the adventures of said family guy on the east coast of the united states so we all know family guy uh came on the air in 1999 got canceled twice and is still running today if i believe so yeah it's still running okay so we're gonna do a bit of a deep dive it's into on its 20th season now oh no kidding cool yeah yeah it's been around for a while um, so, basically, we're gonna kind of do a little deep dive, kind of like what we did with Spongebob Squarepants, we're gonna do a deep dive into the characters, and, uh, the world that this show created, and some of our favorite episodes, and this episode, I feel, is going to be a little criticism-heavy, uh, towards the end, so it might be a bit bittersweet, and we were going to be joined by our favorite Cody McDonald, except uh, he could not be here today due to reasons of temperamental issues, but he left a recording behind for us to enjoy. Let's take a listen. Where the hell do I even begin with this overrated, self-indulgent piece of annoyance? If you ever want to see a show that's helmed by a comedic fraud, a.k.a. Seth MacFarlane, whose main intention is to bank off of your knowledge on 80s and 90s pop culture instead of crafting jokes and storytelling, Family Guy is the right show for you. Who needs constructed jokes, wordplay, and character intentions when you can just redo the same three over-the-top gags over and over and over again every single episode? And if that doesn't get repetitive, these writers will box you in the confines of constantly, and I mean constantly, setting up cutaways. And then the punchline will be delivered in the next 5 to 10 seconds. I mean, if that's not comedic timing, I don't know what is. Let us not forget about the stellar animation. Every time I see characters standing in a flat, medium shot with their sleepy eyes and repeatedly holding out their hands when they talk, I complain how Studio Ghibli is second-rate to them. Someone should honestly give Seth MacFarlane an award for coming up with the most brilliant idea ever, which was, if we create a show that's devoid of subtlety and over-reliant on being offensive, and have it led by the ever-punchable Peter Griffin, 
instead of the two likable characters in the show, Stewie and Brian, we can avoid being compared to the iconic yellow family. Family guy? More like fucking die! Boy, tell us how you really feel, Cody. Yeah. <laughs> so, as, um, so amply was just demonstrated, family guy ain't perfect. But we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly with this interesting cultural phenomenon that has been with us for now 20 years. So, Family Guy was one of the many animated brain children of one Seth MacFarlane. He almost died on 9-11. And he's very, very open to share that fact. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of his uh, cartoons, there are tons of 9-11 jokes. He makes 9-11 jokes up the, up the wazoo. Let's tell the very, very quick story of how, what we mean by he almost died on 9-11. He was scheduled to be on one of the planes that flew into, that was hijacked and flown into the World Trade Centers, but he was hung over from a night of drinking and on September 10th, and he missed his flight by 10 minutes that's insane. Yeah. But Mark Wahlberg had a similar story as well. Well, Mark Wahlberg's a little different. Uh he, it didn't he didn't need to be on that plane and he really figured that out because at the last minute he decided to drive to where he was going instead of fly. Yeah. If if I understand the story correctly, he either decided to put his flight off another day or he decided to just drive to where he was going. That's insane. Yeah. So, so there could have been celebrities on that plane. Yeah. That's nuts. Well, I mean, Seth, uh, Seth MacFarlane and Mark Wahlberg, they did collaborate on uh, TED, but enough about that. So, um, a little more background on just how the creator of this show almost died on 9-11. A little bit more about him. He went to college in Rhode Island, which Rhode, is... Rhode Island School of Design. Yeah. And, uh... Right, as for, as a college graduate, he would go on to uh, work on some other animated shows like Johnny Bravo. Cow and Chicken. Yes. Dexter's Laboratory. Quite a and, few. And uh, one of his debuts, uh, Life of Larry. Yeah, and I want you to kind of talk about that because Life of Larry and then the subsequent Larry and Steve, those kind of spawned uh, some character nuggets that would eventually become Family Guy. Yeah, well, when he was 21, 22, uh, Seth MacFarlane created a short called uh, Life of Larry. And Life of Larry is essentially the uh, the prototype of what Family Guy would become. It's It's got this elderly man and his wife and his uh, pet dog. And uh, he the dog talks, naturally. And, uh, yeah, so it's essentially like early Peter and early Brian. A lot of the jokes in uh, Life of Larry are very much recycled in the first season of Family Guy. And uh, for that, it's it's kind of strange. The animation is surprisingly detailed compared to like what Family Guy became, which is kind of funny. <laughs> and then um, after... Uh, there's not too much to say about Life of Larry, but uh, Larry and Steve is actually pretty interesting. Two years later, it's the same concept. It's an older man and uh, his his pet dog but the pet dog is like doing a recording of himself recounting his events with uh larry and uh yeah he's a he's essentially brian he's like the sophisticated sarcastic dog and larry's a friggin idiot 
And it was it debuted on the uh, show What a Cartoon. And uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. It's not it's not there's not so much of a Family Guy vibe from Larry and Steve. It feels very much like a traditional cartoon. Yeah, I would recommend it if you're interested in like how how Seth MacFarlane got his way into uh, making Family Guy. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, um, I haven't seen Life of Larry or Larry and Steve, but I have seen, like, little clips of it, and, uh, I do know that three things what would later go on that would show up in Family Guy, where, you know, obviously there's the man and his dog, which would be Peter and Brian, but there's also an air, uh, a cocky airline pilot, uh, who looks and talks an awful like Glenn Quagmire, and, uh, yeah. It would, and Glenn Quagmire would be a pilot later in the show. I'm kind of surprised there's not a lot of references to Life of Larry and Family Guy. Like, yeah. the characters don't just show up every now and then. You'd think they would. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. So, on to once Family Guy was created, um, its first um, episode uh, aired in 1999, and it depicted a traditional American family of five living in the fictional Rhode Island city of Quahog. Quahog is named after a type of clam, that, and Rhode Island is a coastal state, and it's very... Um, clam farming and clam harvesting is very common out it's there. A, it's an East Coast area. Yes. Yeah. So... Uh, Family Guy centers around the adventures and misadventures of the Griffins. The Griffins, the father of this family, is a fat um, moron named Peter. <laughs> oh God, that laugh! Pe Peter is voiced. Peter is voiced by Seth MacFarlane himself, and uh, I mean. He has worked two jobs as in the show's chronology. He three in the, jobs. Oh, three. Um, he worked at a toy factory. He became a fisherman after the toy factory blew up, and now he works at uh, the pat the the brewery. The brewery. Yeah. Then, but also, Al, do you remember when Pawtucket he sold Pete? That was the name. Oh, do you remember when he sold butt scratchers? Uh, huh. yeah, that was a joke. Butt scratcher. No, Evan. Butt scratcher. <laughs> Yeah. So, so. He has three jobs. Uh, the brewery one seems to stick the longest so far. Yeah. And uh, Peter is literally and legally a little slow, as evidenced by the episode Petarded. Uh, Peter is legally retarded, and is that, it, they really toy with how politically correct it is to kind of correct or incorrect it is to drop, say it. drop that word yeah because I, I feel like that episode was we'll get into episodes in a bit but i feel like the the p-tarded episode was made was written and produced just to see how much the show runners could get away with using the word retarded well uh, when your show survives two cancellations it, it gets a little bit of uh it's a little bit ahead of itself. Yeah. So unlike other cartoon characters who are just idiots for this, just because they're written that way, there's an actual medical explanation to Peter's ignorance and stupidity. So I mean, it's a it's an edgy dynamic to be sure. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know if I like it though, because it basically means that Peter can do anything and get away with it with full impunity. And we're going to talk about that, like, as we criticize the show, but, um... Yeah. So, the wife of this family is 
Lois Griffin. Lois is voiced by the great um, Alex Borstein. Mm-hmm. And um, I hate to tell you this, but like she is somewhat of a voice of reason, but Lois is prone to some really self-sabotaging and really destructive and toxic behavioral traits. Yeah, the longer the show goes on, the sadder and more like nasty Lois gets, to be honest. Like, whenever Peter does something crazy, she can be the voice of reason, but at the end of the day, she'll just kind of tolerate it and just go, and, like, their relationship will completely reset itself. I believe there's also a theory that the only reason Peter and Lois's marriage has survived as long as it has is because their sex life is apparently so, so good that they just it just keeps them together through everything they've been to like i remember one cutaway gag it's like uh well not a cutaway gag just a gag where uh i know it's hard to differentiate the two where it's like uh peter's like lois uh do you think our relationship is safe and it's like uh no it's not peter uh we we fight but no not this much (laughs) i I, I, don't fight this much and then she says something like, oh, we're going to wait until Stewie uh, graduates college, no, well, and then we'll leave. No, here's the thing. She'll basically said, like, um, do you think maybe we should get a... It is what it is. Let's just get Stewie to college, and then we'll yeah, go from there. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, they have toyed with... The show is self-aware, but I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I often give a piece of media credit when it's edgy, and it's... I, I, I give movies and shows credits when they are self-aware of their humor but in family guy it just gets annoying that they're self-aware and they just keep doing whatever it is they're doing maybe that's just the longevity no impact yeah i mean that was just such a throwaway callous joke and it could have been a serious character moment but it's not anyway so um we talked about this couple uh peter and lois their children are in order their firstborn is meg Mag, played by Lacey Shepard, and then followed up by Mila Kunis. And he uh, wasn't he also played by uh, Seth MacFarlane's niece or daughter or that, no? In the pilot, she was voiced by uh, Rachel. By Rachel McFarlane, yeah. Oh. She so she, technically uh, Mila Kunis is the third voice actress for Meg, and she's been the most consistent one too. She's been with the show since I believe the first. Since time second season. Since the, since the second season, Mila Kunis has been season, the voice yeah. of Meg. Um, Meg can be really she she's a bit of an awkward girl who uh, isn't very you know popular. She's misunderstood constantly. But one of the things that you might not like if uh, you're a healthy-minded person is Meg is the butt of many 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 cruel jokes at her directly at the expense of her physical and mental well-being yeah okay so if you've heard the phrase shout out meg in uh pop culture this is where it comes from the re and apparently the reason why meg is written this way is because it is an in-joke with the writing staff of family guy they're basically capital they're they're harping on the fact that they that female characters in animation are not written very well and they're basically just they they perpetuate that by joking about meg being you know the butt of abuse and it's it it is sad when you think about it but um in our favorite episodes uh that we're going to talk about meg isn't always a central uh figure but i have seen one episode where meg goes to like juvenile hall and she comes out like so yep that's meg 
And uh, the second born is uh, a boy named Chris. Chris is voiced by your main man. Seth Green. Last Seth on that show. Get used to it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Chris isn't a, a very well-developed character either. He really isn't. Of all of them, I'd say he's like the thinnest, yeah. ironically. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's a chubsy-wubsy. And uh, like father, like son, because Chris is the literal definition of a degenerate. I find that, and I find that sad. Because, like, no, Meg isn't a degenerate. Meg is just, you know... An abuse victim. Chris literally is like you know he's he's an underachiever in school. He does he isn't really that sociable. Uh, he doesn't take initiative in life or career. He has a paper route, um, but other than that, he's forgetting he's thirteen. He 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 he, he, he sounds and acts a lot older than he is because well he's bigger than Meg too. That's, so that's true. I was and Meg is eighteen, which is crazy if you think about it. She's eighteen now. Uh, I, I'm a little confused because she started out 16. Yeah, they kind of now the characters really age all that much. Yeah, the, they jumped the continuity with their ages, but okay. I, I find that forgivable. Whatever. So, yeah, whatever indeed. So basically, that's Chris. Unfortunately, not much to say. The baby of this family is one Stewie Griffin. Now, Stewie. At first in the show, it was very clear that he has the ability to talk in complete sentences. And not only can he do that for a one-year-old, he is extremely well-spoken. And he is ex- he, he's a quite an interesting character. In fact, he may be one of the most well-developed and well-written characters on the show. He's voiced, he's voiced yet again by Seth MacFarlane. And by the way, if you've noticed that Seth MacFarlane voices characters, uh, multiple characters... Get used to that, because Seth MacFarlane voices roughly half the population of this fucking town. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm serious. And uh, apparently, Stewie's voice and Peter's voice are the hardest voices for him to do in terms of training his vocal cords. Whenever he has to do a scene where Peter and Stewie are talking in the same scene, it exhausts him, and he'll actually come away from the recording booth like looking red in the face. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh... He can sing as them, too. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, I know. And uh, I know you don't like musical numbers, but Family Guy will pull a musical number out of their ass once in a blue moon. Uh, I'd say a bit more than a once in a blue moon. Yeah. They, no, they're a very musically inclined show. I would say more so than other stuff in their vein of uh, entertainment. But anyways, so the, one of the cool things about Stewie is that uh, for the first half of the show, at least, they want to write him as an evil genius who is constantly trying to take over the world uh, and, and kill Lois. and kill his mother, Lois Griffin, because to him, Lois is a neglectful, malicious, and abusive parent, uh, despite the fact that Lois tries her damnedest to be the best mother she can be. Um, so, and Stewie just wants to kill her for no particular reason, and, uh... Eventually, they kind of drop the shtick with Stewie being an evil genius, hell-bent on taking over the world, and they kind of made him just an edgy character. He's basically a baby who acts like an adult. That's basically all he is. Yeah. I feel like... Now, that's the Griffin family. I feel like we forgot... Oh, yeah, I did! Uh, the dog. Brian. Brian. Brian, who is also voiced by Seth MacFarlane, and that is... Brian is the one character on the show who sounds like seth MacFarlane's actual voice mm-hmm. for the first half of the show brian was 
a voice of reason and rationality and he's actually has a lot of insightful things to say unfortunately that rich character development we saw in him got traded up for pretentious asshole and pretentious racist and sexist asshole so like he he's super he became a douchebag. Yeah, no, his pol he's basically this virtue signaling social justice nut job when it comes to po political insight, but which is very much like what Seth MacFarlane is in real life, but the problem is uh he doesn't practice what he he rarely practices what he preaches with the ex he owns a prius and he drives it around thinking he's this big environmentalist who's saving the planet, but he like he's a total douche um he, uh, his love life, yes, the dog has a fucking love life yeah. with humans. And apparently Fox initially had a big problem with that because, you know, bestiality. Well, they're pretty coy about it. It's not like he outright does anything. Yeah, no, him. like, the the, 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 the higher heads at Fox are apparently very opposed to Brian being in anything long term with her, with a woman. That's by... He has um a he has a, a, a an estranged human son that he basically created with a woman. He created with a woman. Yeah, no, like um he, he conceived a human son with a woman. One way to put it. And uh after this uh, in in discussion like if you if this wasn't a comedy you would think like this is the weirdest fucking show ever and it is. Like so yeah. Br Brian can talk, Brian can act like a human. People kind of just acknowledge in this world they acknowledge the fact that he's a dog and can and is and is as intelligent as a human but what's weird is there aren't that many other dogs in this universe that are on his level of existence like all the other dogs in the show act like how a dog would act but and brian uh, there was his replacement Vinny. that's right yeah yeah he could talk um Vinny, and also there was a Seabreeze. Uh, no, Seabreeze didn't talk. Yeah, no, Seabreeze didn't talk. But how do you think that relationship went? Because Brian uh, had puppies at least, with her. At least it's a friggin' dog. I yeah. Don't yeah. Oh, don't forget his cousin, his gay cousin Jasper. Oh right, yeah. But anyways, yeah. So I say that because that's his only character trait. Yeah. Um. So yeah. But anyways, the the show runners are the the high the producers at Fox are very hesitant to have him be in, in anything long term with a woman because so that's why Brian's human to dog relationships are always failures. I have a question. What's the question? When Siri talks, do any of the adults hear him, or is it only Brian that can understand him? At first, I honestly thought that was the case, but it's been established like after season three or four, it's established because. At first, like, Lo Stewie would say something, you know, crazy and demonic, and Lois would be like, Aw, who's your cute little baby? I thought it would, they were going for something like Rugrats, where the adults can't hear, the human, the adults can't hear or understand Stewie, but Brian is the only one who can. No, no. They kind of ditched that in later episodes, and, like, Peter, Stu Lo Stewie can have full-on conversations with adults in the room. Like, there's a scene where P has to go where Peter has a tea party with him and like they have a full on conversation. It's really weird. Um, also in the Stewie loves Lois episode, it's perfectly clear. She can understand him because Lewis, Lewis, mom, mom, mommy, mommy, mama, mama, mom, mom. What? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah that's the griffin family and they live their daily lives in so how about the citizens of cog well first of all they all live on the family lives on spooner street 
and their neighbors are all Peter's closest guy friends. How lucky can you get? Like, yeah, would it be really? great if, like, all, like, our friends lived on uh, the street we live on? Yeah. That'd be awesome. But anyway, so, uh, Peter's closest guy friends, there is Cleveland Brown, a black guy who is uncomfortably voiced by a white guy. <laughs> Mike Henry, yeah. Yeah, uh, also fun fact. A black girl auditioned for the role of Meg Griffin, but Seth MacFarlane uh, didn't give her the role specifically because he was uncomfortable with a black hair, a, pla- a black woman voicing a white woman. Yeah, but a black, but a white guy voicing a black guy, totally fine. Yeah, yeah. double standard there, buddy. That's a little hypocritical. Yeah. So, anyways, so Cleveland, Cleveland is, but Cleveland is probably one of the most intelligent f- guys in this circle of friends. He's intelligent, but he doesn't really offer a lot for the show. Well, he did get his own spinoff yeah, did, yeah. for a while. <laughs> um, Lord I, knows why. But did you see any episodes of the Cleveland Show? Yeah, I watched a few episodes of the Cleveland Show, and to be honest, it's as bland as it is. I will say that Cleveland, as a lead character, is actually far more likable and like relatable than Peter ever is. Yeah. He actually is, like, a character who tries to do the right thing, and he tries to, like, help his uh, new family out, which is kind of commendable. I just don't find the series very interesting on the whole. I also, in in Family, going back to Family Guy, Cleveland tends to be the odd man out a few times because uh, he got cheated on by his first wife, Loretta, and... uh, Quagmire, no less. Oh, fuck. Well, we'll get to him in a second. Uh, But basically... He got cheated on, and then he got a new wife, and he actually had a... Did, does he, did he have kids with his second wife, or does he have kids with both his wives, or...? I'm, I know he has kids with Loretta. I'm not sure if the kids that he has with his... I don't even remember her name. Uh, I, I think there's kids. I could be wrong. Oh, okay. Because I remember there was a, a, there was a newer, more recent episode where Peter shoots, shoots his son in the arm. That was his son, yeah. Yeah, was that his son he had with Loretta, or yeah, with yeah. Loretta, yeah. Yeah. Um, what does Cleveland do for a living? Because I know he, he worked at a deli uh, through the early part of the show. I don't really know what he does anymore. I, they don't ever cut back to it again. That's what I mean. Like, like Cleveland doesn't really have a lot of attributes that he offers to the show. He just kind of shows up every now and then. That's kind of sad. Um, because yeah. we're gonna, I'll get into the other ones. Uh, He's not as so, well defined yeah. as the others. So. Uh, their other neighbor is Glenn Quagmire, who is uh, an airline pilot, and in his personal life, he is unmarried, a single bachelor, and he takes full advantage of this by ha- by sleeping with as many women as he can, just spreading the seed like a carrot farmer. I swear to God. And uh, he is quite the sex offender that the show is passably admitted to. Yeah. He's committed statutory rape probably multiple times easily. Um, he's had extremely bizarre relationships uh, with women. He's done things without women's consent. Oh yes, uh, he is like you know that you know that guy you know how whenever we talk about the Me Too movement and they picture this predatory guy that we're trying to keep out of society and try to keep out of the workplace or at least we're trying to control them. That's Glenn Quag. We're trying to stop the Glenn Quagmires of the world. Which is too bad, because of all the characters, I do like his a lot. Like, if, if he wasn't so, like, you know, if, if he wasn't so sexual, I actually think he would be a pretty decent guy. Well, if he w- if he didn't do anything, like, illegal or, uneth- or morally unethical, yeah. 
if, if he, you know, we're not slut-shaming, but we're just saying, like, if he was a lot uh, more ethical with his uh, treatment of women, he'd probably be a pretty okay guy. I, I, I like certain episodes of Quagmire, but then it's yeah. like, he does things, and I'm just like, ugh. Uh, one Why? of my one of my favorite moments with Quagmire in the whole show is when uh, him and Brian go out for this really. This is when Brian turned into a full on pretentious douchebag, and then it's going really awkwardly the dinner between him and Brian, and then oh, yeah. Brian's like, "Why? I'm trying, Glenn. I'm really trying. Can you just explain why you don't like me?" Glenn goes on a two-minute tirade and gives every reason why him, and I guess he's speaking on behalf of the show's audience as to why Brian is a piece of shit person. Yeah. So, that's Quagmire. They're the last friend in this circle who is actually one of my favorite side characters on the show, personally, is Joe Swanson. Now, Joe is um, voiced... Oh, by the way, um, Cleve... Uh, I forgot to mention Quagmire's voiced by Seth MacFarlane again. Um, Joe is voiced by Kronk himself, Patrick Warburton. Oh God, I love this guy already. So, anyways, so in addition to having like this wonderful voice, Joe is a police officer and this all-around macho guy who is very who can be cool and collected, but. He's in a wheelchair because of a of, a, of an accident he had. Like he got pushed off the roof by the Grinch. Oh, seriously? Yeah, no. There's one part. I think it's the uh, first episode he's in. They established that he was doing a shift on Christmas, and he was chasing down this robber who dressed like the Grinch. The Grinch threw a toy like down onto his foot, and he tripped and fell off the uh, fucking roof. And, yeah. Yeah, but he saved the day, but the Grinch got away. <laughs> Kind of like how it, that's you, that, you, the way you worded that sounded like a doctor's use rhyme. Is it save uh, Joe saved the day, but the Grinch, Grinch got, got away. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, like, are you Timmy? I remember that episode. Merry Christmas, Timmy. And he gives them the toy. That, it's it's a very endearing moment, but yeah, that's it came when with Joe had dignity. Yeah, well, he still does because one of the things I like about his character is that he's a police officer. In a wheelchair. How often do you see that? I actually think that's kind of a societal commentary about like how more jobs should be accommodating towards the, the physically handicapped. And but this is Family Guy. They make tons of edgy jokes at the expense of him being handicapped. Yeah, that's what I meant. And one of the jokes I find the most uncomfortable is uh, his impotency because Joe is married to this perpetually pregnant lady named Bonnie, played by voiced by Jennifer Tilly. Yeah. And I'm serious. She is pregnant for the first like six seasons or something. Something like that. They yeah. even call her out. Call her out like it's like okay. First of all, Bonnie, you've been pregnant for like six years. All right. Either have the baby or don't. <laughs> yeah so base uh essentially the fact that uh i uh, the, the the impotency jokes make me a little uncomfortable but because i feel I, i'm very much against sex shaming i know we we just talked about fucking quagmire well he's too much joe it's it's like un not enough yeah like he quagmire and joe are the polar opposites but anyway the whole i but i find joe to be like you know he's this delightfully like He's this really calm, collected guy, but when he goes, like, over-the-top macho, it's funny to watch because his macho, like, attitude and his, like, rah-rah, I'm a big bro, like, the upper half of his body is completely mus- uh, he's all muscle in the upper half of his body and nothing down below his waist. Well, yeah. So, he compensates for his, uh, physical and sexual lackings 
and it that's kind of funny to see. But Joe gets into some really cool situations. Like when he's a police officer, he acts extremely professional. And he acts like how a cop is supposed to act in an ideal situation. I find that really respectable about him. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we, there's other like side characters we could mention, but there's it's a whole town's worth of people. Yeah, like be here all day. There's too many. That's those are the central characters on the show. There's also. Um, the the girl at their high school that bullies Meg. There's uh, Connie D'Amico. Connie D'Amico. There's also uh Bertram, uh, Stewie's unborn baby brother. And they talking about him. Soon? There's Doctor Hartman. There's uh Lois's uh Mister Pewterschmidt. Mister P- the Pewterschmidt's uh Carter and Babs, and they are aristocratic. You know, dicks. Dicks. Well, Sir, more more so Carter's case. Yeah. Um, they're aristocratic, you know, and then there's also, we're going to end this, this little character breakdown with, uh, the mayor. The mayor of Coog is Adam West, at least until, at least until, <laughs> a little bit softer now. I don't think the mic can pick up. I'm not leaving until everyone's gone. <laughs> oh, Adam West. So th- there is a reason why. Uh, he is the mayor of Coog because in Johnny Bravo there was a a mayor character played by Adam West, and that the fact that he's the mayor of Coog and Family Guy is a running joke in in honor, in honor of that. And Seth MacFarlane, as we mentioned earlier, did work on Johnny Bravo. So those are the characters and the setup and the world that this show creates. So let's kind of talk about um, our favorite episodes because even though like we're here to rip on the show. We got some. It's not for nothing. Like the show has some gems. Yeah, we should. We should. We should like reiterate. Like the show definitely has its moments. It is funny. It was pretty pretty huge at, for a little while. For quite a while. It, it got revived for a reason. Yeah, I mean it was popular. It resonated with people. So we're yeah. just gonna give a shout out to a handful of episodes. Uh, now, uh, Evan, you picked uh, the post revival era of this show because that's when you started watching it, right? Yeah, the first time I ever caught. Uh, well, right when I was watching <clears throat> uh, that other cartoon, Family, at the age of thirteen, uh, Family Guy, Family Guy came on after, and I remember seeing the episode. Uh, model misbehavior and i thought it was pretty funny um it was funnier in a different kind of way from other shows but my mom saw the humor and she forbade it immediately oh yeah but once my brother became a te- entered his teen years uh he my brother got an ipod and started downloading family Guy episodes and there was nothing my mom could do to stop him so she kind of just laxed it uh so i didn't become a hardcore fan of family guy but I now that it's on Disney Plus, I can uh, watch any episode I want at the touch of a button. So eat it, Netflix. We don't want seasons nine to whatever. Yeah. Or eleven to whatever. Anyways, so I, I picked episodes from the original run. For why the first we three seasons? Why don't you talk about your favorite episodes first, and I'll talk yeah, about mine. Because more. when I started watching Family Guy, I had the box set because I used to watch it every now and then on TV. Yeah. When it was a little bit more censored. Yeah. And my mom did not like how I acted every time I watched an episode. I remember one time I, ch- I was chasing my dog. He's like, get back here, you little bitch. And I said it in the same way as Stewie. And I got grounded and I was never able to watch the show again until Aww. I got older. But I still snuck it. I also yeah. snuck The Sopranos. I mean, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I used to watch that stuff. Um, so, yeah. 
if I'm going to start this, my first episode of the day is Death is a Bitch. Wasn't that the first... After the pilot, that's the first episode of the first season. Uh, no, it's in the second season, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, you're thinking, uh, I Never Met the Dead Man. Oh, okay. There's a the first season has a lot of uh, allusions to 1940s cinema. There is a reason for that. Apparently, Seth MacFarlane actually wanted to take this old, like, 1940s drama and... It's a 1940s drama serial, and he wanted to name every episode of Family Guy after... An, he wanted to make every episode name of Family Guy a spoof of an episode name from that show. But I guess it, no people wouldn't have gotten the joke, yeah. so... I mean, I mean, Seth MacFarlane, he's a classy guy. He's a classy guy. I mean, yeah. look at that Look at that show. Stay classy, Family Guy. Yeah. Anyways, Death is a Bitch is all about... Uh, Peter finds a lump on his body. He thinks it's a malignant tumor. Gets it checked, and it turns out to be, like, you know, completely benign. But he has to pay, like, an exorbitant uh, medical bill, because it's the U.S., right? So, rather than pay the bill, he marks on his uh, form that he he's dead. He's like, sex? No, thank you. I'm dead. <laughs> and so, after, uh, you know, celebrating uh, Peter's good health, death literally shows up at his doorway and uh well for our audience like who who is death he's the grim reaper death is grim he's portrayed as the grim reaper and he's voiced by none other than norm Macdonald. his one and only time portraying the character and what makes this episode for me is that death is such is such a snarky asshole he's like a lovable asshole norm Macdonald delivers him so wonderfully i don't think anyone else could have nailed him the way he does and, like, the way he just, like, <laughs> there's so many bits. Like, I'm trying to remember. Like, I remember one bit where he's, like, playing the game of life with Lois. It's like, you know, some people might find this ironic, but honestly, I'm bored as hell. <laughs> oh, Lois, this coffee, this cocoa. Uh, I, I thought you made it, you said you were going to make it with milk, not crap. <laughs> Is there anything I can do for your death? Oh, yeah, sport. Why don't you get me some bandages and hot water? It's a sprain. Genius. <laughs> I just have to go lay off in a few days. Yep, that sounds like Norm Macdonald. No, All right. I can't do impressions. But it's also the first appearance of Dr. Hartman ah. this episode. And Dr. Hartman's joke has always been like, he says something really, oh, this is not good. This is not good at all. Oh, what is it, Doc? Oh, this drawing my uh, nephew made of me. It's supposed to be a picture of me, but <laughs> it doesn't look anything like me. Jeez. Yeah. And it's just like this shtick that kind of goes on for way too damn long. But yeah, no, Death of a Bitch is definitely an episode I love revisiting, like, on a, you know, a semi-regular basis. It's always been one of my favorites. The next one on my list is Emission Impossible. Emission Impossible is about, uh, Peter and, uh, Lois, they go visit her sister who's having a baby. And afterwards, Peter gets the idea of having a, a fourth child. And, uh, Lois agrees, and Stewie feeling like he's going to be forgotten about if they have another younger younger uh, sibling goes out of his way to make extreme he goes to extreme lengths to make sure that uh peter and lois don't uh, fornicate now i know where the catholic church feels <laughs> um yeah there's a lot of great stuff in this episode um uh, it's interesting to note um Carol Kane and Wallace Shawn guest star in this episode, so it feels like a Princess Bride reunion. Aww. Um, I freaking love the Lois song that Peter plays to Lois. He's like, Lois, 
You can't spell love without L-O. You can't spell is without I-S. You can't spell silo without Lois. And take it away from the pet rock. <laughs> oh, oh God. Oh God. No. Oh, oh God. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then there's then the Star Wars recreation where Stewie shrinks himself down to like a micros, like a microbe, goes inside Peter's body. Oh, like he, with the with the like attacking the Death Star. Yeah, it looks like a Tie Fighter and everything, and he uh, destroys all the sperm in Peter's body except one, Bertram, played by Wallace Shawn. And, like, and that, believe it or not, it's actually rare for Wallace Shawn to play a maniacal character, because Wallace Shawn usually plays timid characters who are very like passive aggressive and very likable, and a lot of them don't oh, like confrontations. Did Did you see him in Princess Bride? <laughs> what you said was inconceivable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Star Wars recreation has done really well for a TV budget, I must say. Especially for an early season of Family Guy. Yeah. And then there's one bit where, like, Stewie's, like, dolls himself up. He, like, covers his face in makeup. He's like, I'm gonna kiss the fat man's shirt so it makes it seem like he's having an affair. <laughs> and then he just, like, steps off screen, slowly moves in on the mirror, yeah. and just eyes himself up. Oh, look at you. You're a dirty girl, and you don't care where you go. Get it. Hang. <laughs> and Brian's just like, the evidence just keeps piling up. Shut yeah. up. You know I look good. Yeah. <laughs> that's that, that that is super that, that's just classic family guy and the last episode i have on my list is da boom so i like this episode because it's the first it's the one that actually introduces well i should talk about the plot first so basically y2k the episode if you don't yeah. know what y2k was it was a big conspiracy that the when uh, the year 2000 hit, the computers would crash and everyone would be left in a, in the dark ages. Yeah, no, like, nu nuclear warheads would launch themselves sporadically. Airplanes would drop out of the sky. And Cats and dogs living together. No, uh, just a quick, not little off-topic thing, but people, like, there were very little flights on New Year's Eve 1999 because no one wanted to be in the air when midnight struck. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so, because it's the Y2K episode, it's basically, like, this fantastical, like, apocalyptic tale where the family tries to survive a post-Y2K bug crisis, and they form, like, their own civilization, and naturally Peter fucks it up. But, uh, what's great about this episode is just the amount of jokes that they pack into this concept. It's the first episode ever to have the classic chicken fight. Yes, with Ernie! Ernie the Chicken. Uh, who's basically this, this guy dressed in a chicken suit. Who no, just, he's physically a chicken. He's physically a chicken, okay. He's, he's not a guy dressed as a chicken, he is literally a giant chicken. Yeah, so Peter always, every now and then, they have this epic, overlong action fight sequence that goes so far and gets so bloody and gross. Like, half the fucking city will be destroyed as a result of these two going at it's it. It's a little padded. It's another one of those jokes. We're gonna say this a lot, that it goes too long. But the difference is that these are typically pretty well done. Like, I'd say the, the chicken fight is usually a classic staple of Family Guy. Yeah. Um, there's a few jabs here and there. Oh, it's also the first episode to have Mila Kunis debut as Meg. Oh, cool. Now, there are episodes afterwards where Lacey Shabbert does return, but that's just because those episodes were, like, kind of... They were pre-made already. They, they were made during their season one run, and they just got shifted on to season two. Yeah. I don't know, but that's just how it is. 
And um, there's a few jokes I love. I love when Peter eats all the uh, dry, like, uh, scout food. Uh And it's like, Peter, you just ate a year's supply of food. Yeah, what a waste of money. I'm still hungry. (laughs) Drink some water. Everybody leave. I have to poop. (laughs) Now! (laughs) And then there's the the Randy Newman jab. (laughs) Hey, lady, got an apple. She takes a bite. Oh, that's Randy Newman, who sings about whatever he sees. And that takes a long, hard look at Randy. Left foot, right foot. And and you can imagine how annoying that got after Yeah, I love Randy Newman, but that's a really good joke on his uh, writing style, for sure. Yeah. Uh, That that cracked a smile (laughs) on my face. I think my favorite part of the episode is when Stewie comes in contact with some radioactive waste and turns into a mutant octopus. Who lays fucking eggs. <laughs> it's like, ooh, you're getting heavy. I'm going to flood the basement so that you can get some more exercise. Oh, yes, I do believe I've gained some weight. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. I seem to have laid an egg. Well, I don't know what... Well, that wasn't so difficult. I don't know why these women are always complaining. <laughs> Makes a huge pile of eggs. <laughs> Look at me. I'm Fred Astaire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes the, the eggs take over the entire town after the griffins yeah. get kicked out and then it culminates i don't know why but it culminates in this jr reference this dallas reference which was an old show where it's like they killed off one of the main characters and then the whole season the ratings tank so like the next season it opens as a dr- like the whole last season was a dream sequence and the main character came back oh so it's like, wow, fuck you, show. I, I I love it where it's like, you know, it's like, oh, the, honey, there is some sort of family guy where you in the world and the baby was an octopus. Hey, 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 it's okay. Hey, what's family guy? <laughs> <laughs> they even got the actors back. That's kind of amazing, actually. Yeah. That, shows, that just shows how dedicated uh, well, Seth MacFarlane is to old school TV. Not only that, but um, he said that... Uh, if he could revive one old school sitcom and keep bringing it back, he would revive All in the Family. And this really shows because the op- the theme song of Family Guy is a parody of the theme song of All in the oh, Family. Well, it's a send-up, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to do like a couple short shout-outs. Um, I always love to watch A Merry Friggin' Christmas, like almost every Christmas year. Like I, I With do- Robin Williams? No, 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 oh. it's, uh, it's the episode with uh, Family Guy. Oh, no, th- there is a one of the last movies Robin Williams made when he was uh, alive. Yeah, was, yeah. yeah, The Merry Friggin' Christmas. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the name of it. Hold on. Uh, yeah. Oh, A Very a, a very Special Family Guy Frickin' Christmas. I oh, mean, okay. I apologize. That's yeah. the name of it. That was a Merry Frickin'. Frickin' is in there, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I love watching that. I love when Peter just, they're, they're talking about, oh, the, this is a wonderful Christmas tree that stands upon us and always sheds light on the baby Jesus. And then Peter just drunkenly smashes into the thing. He's like, hey, I'm on vacation. Happy birthday, Jesus. Seven maids of milk and six maids of milk and five maids of milk. <laughs> Yeah, no, I just love that episode. I watch it, it, it. This and like Chestnuts roasting on an open, or Simpsons roasting on an open fire. Like those are episodes I just always need to watch every holiday. And then I think, um, well, I'll have you go next. But then I want to give a shout out to another type of episode. Okay, so we'll, we'll go through yours. Where my show, my episodes are post revival. Um, 
like after the show got revived in 2005 uh this is when i started watching so um i uh really like um the episode uh believe it or not joe's walking on air the ep- the premise is joe gets sick of being in a in a wheelchair like once he when he overhears like the bonnie you know stays with him out of love but she is perfectly content with being in a like a a marriage without intimacy and that's really sad so joe's like i want to walk again joe has apparently this easily accessible leg replacement surgery where you can just get new legs and correct a spinal a spinal injury why aren't we funding this why are we not funding exactly so Joe gets new legs, and he can walk again. At first, like, because you see this guy in a a wheelchair all the time. It's like, okay, I'm I'm really happy. I like Joe a lot. I'm glad he gets his legs back. Unfortunately, uh, this, you feel happy for him for about two minutes, and then everything goes to shit. Because Joe turns into a huge douchebag. He ditches his his friends, uh, Cleveland, Quagmire, and Peter, he becomes friends with these jocks who go mountain climbing and mountain biking every every weekend, and he even ditches Bonnie. Yeah, no, he fucking divorces Bonnie and is like, "Hey, keep the kid." Like when she gives birth, which is horrible. So then uh, Peter's like, "We gotta recripple Joe." So <laughs> we gotta recripple Joe. <laughs> it's fucking horrible. So the gang breaks into Joe's house and tries to cripple him, and they all fail because Joe can beat them all up now. But yeah. Bonnie points a gun at him and says, I want my husband back. And then she shoots him in the legs multiple times. Like, ah, give me a gun. I'll do it myself. And he shoots himself in his own spine. And then he just goes back to being in a wheelchair. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, like, this episode, like, I love how it toys with the whole playing on the expectation of, like, you want to see the guy you like who is handicapped walk again. But what if he got... What if he what he stopped being handicapped and got his life back and turned and abused the shit out of it? That's what I like about the episode so much. And uh, I know Joe I, Joe goes from being like one of my favorite characters to being a total unlikable piece of shit. And uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of, it's 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 funny how they invert his character like that. Um, also, it lends itself to a couple of joke self aware jokes about the cutaway gags. And, like, uh, Peter, uh, earlier when they're all drinking at the Drunken Clam, which is, like, you know, their local watering hole in Quahog, they, uh, Cleveland says, I hate it when, when shows cut away to some random bull crap. And then they show, uh, Hitler on a unicycle juggling fish. And then later when Peter's like, we gotta re-cripple Joe. It's the right thing to do. Like, taking out Hitler. They cut back to Hitler on the unicycle. Peter punches him out. Like, see? We had a plan for that all along. So, uh, yeah, so that, so that's one episode that I really like. Um, another one I like is, uh, lo- this is probably my favorite episode of the whole show until I see one that makes me laugh harder. Long John Peter. The, pl- the, the A plot and B plot of this episode act, okay, uh, just like other shows, there's an A plot and a B plot to the episodes, but, uh, this later becomes problematic with the plots, and I'll explain, but... The show start. The episode starts with uh, Brian going to the vet, and while at the vet, two things happen. Peter finds a parrot that he randomly just kidnaps and adopts as his own, and he goes too far with having a parrot on his side, and he literally becomes a pirate. 
And he goes around basically robbing pharmacies, uh, sexually harassing Lois, and just being a literal pirate in the real world. Like, and it's so... One of the... attacks the Commonwealth. Yeah, (laughs) there's this British guy in a fucking car, and they, like, have this, like, naval battle at sea on the road. (laughs) You know, where civilian casualties don't fucking matter in this this world. Yeah, you know, like you do. Yeah, exactly. You know, like you do could be... Like the tagline of the show, seriously. <laughs> so, anyways, so while this is so, so eventually Peter drops the whole pirate shtick out of buttfuck nowhere when uh, his parrot dies in one of yeah. his missions, and then once the show for completely forgets about Peter causing property damage and you know making life harder for uh, everyone around him, uh, Chris develops a crush on uh, a girl named Anna who works as the secretary at the vet office. And Anna is voiced by Amanda Bynes. And, um... Remember her? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> anyway, so, he's... She, uh... They have a crush, they go out on a couple dates, and it's going really, really well for Chris. Unfortunately, Peter gives him the most misogynistic, pa- macho, patriarchal advice on dating ever, and Chris acts like, takes it to heart, acts like a big douchebag, and then... He leaves her. And Lois actually plays the devoted, loving mother who who shows Chris the error of his ways in a nice way and actually says, you know, um, you guys have to apologize to Anna and make up and make up and make up for what you did. And I actually really like the way this episode ends at the expense of Brian's physical well-being. <laughs> He's like, well, I'm sure you can come come up with some way, some excuse to go to the vet. <laughs> I don't even want to. I feel like if I talk about it, it's just gonna ruin the joke. Oh, it's Brian. it's a, it's a physical gag that just makes me. The timing is actually really good. It just makes me laugh. Yeah. Watch the episode. I'm not gonna spoil it. It's too funny. Okay. But oh yeah, no, no, Chris, you're, you're a cool guy. Brian, shut up. Um, so, all is well, it ends well. So, the last episode I want to talk about is actually when the show started to become really, really edgy. The plot of this is, Peter feels left out at work at the brewery, and he wants to get a promotion. But his boss, Angela, voiced by the late, great Carrie Fisher, yes, seriously. (laughs) Um, no, she's great on this show. But anyway, so... Angela tells him, I'm not giving you a promotion because you didn't even grad you didn't even pass third grade. So in true in a Billy Madison knockoff, Peter like tries to promote the company to get business and uh, he bombs a children's hospital in the process. No, I am not kidding about that. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at something so horrible, but I'm gonna tell you what the show does with that later on. So um, he bombs a children's hospital uh, to try and promote the brewery. And then his boss says, if you want promotion, just go back to the third grade, do it over again, and pass your, get your, pass the class, and you'll, you'll be fine. So then, Peter re-enrolls in the local elementary school, and just like Billy Madison, he is a total douche, like, around the kids, he's totally inappropriate, he's a horrible influence on these nine, eight, nine-year-olds, um, and, uh, he wins a spelling bee or whatever, and uh, he and then he's like, "Hey, I passed third grade." He goes back to Angela, 
This is the best part of the episode for me. He says, I passed third grade. Uh, do I get the promotion? He's like, no, you don't get your promotion. You're going to jail. You bombed a children's hospital. What, did you think we forgot about that? And then uh, they, the, it actually starts on almost a whole other plot where like he has to own up to what he did. Peter actually goes to court for... But that. then you realize it's the last minute of the show, and... He gets a slap on the wrist, and... See you next week, Peter. Yeah, I know, like... It, it, so, um, I like that... Well, the fact that, you know, seeing Peter in, uh, you know, uh, the most inappropriate environment possible is always funny to see, like... And it, the fact that there might have been consequences... Yeah. ...that don't go anywhere, unfortunately. Yeah. So, um, uh, um, also this episode spawned a meme... Uh, remember when the little girl brings her Barbie to show and tell her, Peter goes, I'll let you do the lie. Oh my god. Who the hell cares? Lyle, I'm trying to tell, I'm trying to tell you about a scene. Oh, you're quoting the line. <laughs> but yeah, I know that basically every time, like, you point, see something you don't care for on the internet, you just draw that line. Oh my god, who the hell? Yeah. Yeah, and then you're popular, I guess. Yeah. No, you're not. Um, um, so do you have any shout I, I, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the fact that the best episodes of the show are uniformly the Stewie and Brian episodes. And I want to talk about, uh, noteworthy episodes. Cause like, while there's episodes that we aren't talking about, like that are our favorites, there are some really noteworthy episodes that, uh, we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I think the road to series is definitely the best reoccurring episode in the oh, show. Yeah. Definitely, I like Road to Rupert is like a beautiful episode that actually shows the origin of where Brian came from. Yeah, and then there's like a whole bunch of the other ones that are funny. There's like a Road to like the North Pole or something, which is a super dark take on Santa. Yeah, and then uh, then there's also the multiverse episodes, which are yes. super unique. I actually really the multiverse like episode is actually Seth MacFarlane's. Do you, also. It's set the multiverse episode is Seth MacFarlane's favorite episode in the whole show. I can I can see why. And intri- interestingly enough, Seth MacFarlane, despite being the creator and half the voice cast, he only has written and directed. He's only written three episodes in the whole show. Oh, yeah, he wrote North North by North Quahog. That's a good episode. And uh, I can't remember the other two at the moment, but uh, mm. yeah, well, yeah. So he wrote. Um, he's only written three episodes in the whole show. Yeah, even even episodes like Back to the Pilot, I really like because it's like, hey, it's the new Family Guy going back to the era. I actually like. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So, anyways, uh, in the no- some noteworthy episodes, there's the road to there are the road to episodes. There's uh, Stewie kills Lois, which was a two parter. <laughs> Uh, literally, uh, he kills Lois in the most overtop way possible, and at first you think, oh no, what happened to Lois? They show, and then Lois comes back and has this big, you know, like, action fight with Stewie in the Oval Office. The motherfucking lighthouse. And, uh, because Stewie, likes evil plan, like, kill Lois, take over the world. So Lois stops him, and then it turns out that it was all a simulation, and apparently, even in a simulation, Stewie cannot kill Lois successfully. That's probably why he gave up. Yeah. Um, is that the episode where they kind of drop his evil genius shtick? I believe so. Yeah. I think it was like the final nail in that storyline. Yeah. Well, there was all, wasn't was that like on the DVD, the untold sto- story of Stewie Griffin? I haven't seen that, actually. No. Um, there's also... Uh, they also... Oh, one thing we ha- I would be remiss if we didn't talk about was... Uh, Family Guy went to the trouble to recreate 
the Star Wars trilogy, mm-hmm. the original Star Wars trilogy, with characters from their show in the cast position, in the cast roles of uh, the original Star Wars uh, characters. Like, you got Chris as Luke Skywalker, Peter as Han Solo, Leia, Lois as Leia, um, Quagmire and Cleveland as R2 and 3PO, Stewie as Darth Vader, and many, many more. So, they did this in 2007 with Blue Harvest, which is a which is a plot for plot, beat for beat spoof of A New Hope, but with Family Guy jokes and characters. And then a couple years later, they did Empire and Jedi. Something, and, something, something. Dark side. I'm going to be completely. It's a trap. I'm going to be completely honest. It was funny in Blue Harvest for a bit, but the uh, with Empire and Jedi, something, something, something. Dark side, and it's a trap. Like, they're not good spoofs of Star Wars. I, I, I swear to God. It, 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 the Family Guy spoof of Star Wars is not even the best spoof of Star Wars ever created. It, it does kind of feel like jokes that your dad would make. I actually prefer the robot chicken jokes oh, that I, they do. Heck, I would watch Spaceballs over Family Guy Star Wars. Yeah. But anyways. Quite honestly. So, but yeah, no. Uh, they they got all, what, what Robot Chicken got right, Family Guy got wrong. Uh, what Mel Brooks got right, everyone else got wrong. Yeah, but also, um, one of the biggest complaints I have that actually harkens back to a big problem I have with the show is uh, the jokes they make in 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 it's in something 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 dark side and it's a trap. Two three fourths of the jokes that they make have nothing to do with Star Wars, and that's a like the jokes that do have something to do with Star Wars are really funny, but. Everything else is just kind of a reference to something else. Like, there's a scene in where, like, you know, Yoda trains Luke, and they, he does it to a montage from Rocky Five, which has nothing to do with Star and Wars. They just use, like, Rocky Five footage. They literally... Rocky Four footage, They use Rock, Rocky Four footage with Ivan Drago, and uh, it's so random and out of place. Because it's a mon... Because he's training. So, obviously, it's just, like, you know, a Rocky movie. Well, remember, like, they do this... Ra- they do this random cutaway to Caddyshack in Jedi in uh, It's a Trap or Well, we're waiting. Yeah, it's... And, and yeah, also, like, there's a scene where, like, the, when they parody the famous scene where Luke fights an apparition of Vader in the Dagobah cave, like, he cuts off his own head and, like... Yeah, we should take advantage of this really weird opportunity. And they go into a random musical number, which has nothing to do with Star Wars! What were they thinking? I always find such a disconnect when they use, like, st- like footage from actual films in Family Guy. Well, it, it the idea is that they think they're being funny by breaking the fourth wall, but, like, they're actually just shoehorning in a pop culture reference for the sake of having a pop culture reference. Well, that's Family Guy. Get used you? to fucking that. Are we gonna start talking about recurring jokes now? Um, or? well, I want to talk about banned episodes and controversial episodes. Like, very briefly, but, like... Uh, okay. Like... When You Wish Upon a Weinstein, apparently that episode's banned. It was, yeah. It wasn't what, released. Yeah. What's the plot of that episode? Because I, I watched it at Christmas. Uh, I just remember there's this really offensive musical number where Peter sings about how he wants a Jew for Christmas. Yeah, but the idea is, like, Peter's having trouble with his finances, and uh, his friends are like, oh, we have Jewish accountants who help us. And it's like, oh, really? Yeah, well, they, they just don't happen to be Jewish. I mean, we don't hire them because they are. It's like, that's it. I need a Jewish accountant. That's how I'm going to get my money. I'm going to get all the money. And so he sings this Disney-esque, like, song. It's like, I need a Jew. It's kind of a parody of Part of Your World. Or, or uh, When You Wish Upon a Star. Yeah. Is, like, is, is the joke. But, yeah. um, yeah. <laughs> 
I love when, uh, as soon as he finds someone, uh, he's just like, I have a Jew. Oh, and the guy God. behind him is just like, hey. <laughs> yeah. Lyle, there goes our ad revenue for this episode. What ad revenue? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that that episode got got canned. Do you know any others that got um, uh, outright banned? Um, I'm on it. I just know that there were like a couple. No, I, more so than just episodes that got banned. I want to talk about controversial episodes, like uh, like what's that episode where they really pl- have that musical number where like they th- there's a school play on on Terry Schiavo's death. Yeah, where Stewie is like in the play. Oh God. I have, an, I have an idea. I'm going to pull up a list of some of the worst episodes of Family Guy, and you tell me, like, how you'd react. Like, like tell me, would you watch this episode? Okay, like, read a couple of log lines. And then... Yeah, I'm just going to do the log line. So, yeah. fresh hair. Uh, Carter leaves his entire fortune to Chris. Realizing his chance to make a bunch of money, Peter gets Lois to divorce him, and he proposes to Chris to get all of his money. What the fuck? Yeah. So, incest the episode. Jesus Christ. Followed up by Chris teaching Carter how to masturbate. Oh, come on. Well, I mean, <laughs> I get the joke because Carter's an old man and Chris is a chronic masturbator, so. Yeah. Um, seahorse seashell party. In a three-part special Fox event, uh, there's a hurricane that hits Quahog, and after wasting time, uh, Brian takes a massive acid trip on mushrooms well, Meg finally confronts her family for training her so poorly. I, that actually Does that sound, sound like a funny episode? It sounds kind of like an... It doesn't sound funny. It sounds dramatic. But it, um, it sounds interesting. You've never seen the, the, the mushroom trip that Brian has? It, no. It's, it's traumatizing. Oh, it's shit. honestly like the darkest thing Family Guy's ever done. Does that make you kind of scared to do mushrooms? I know like you and I have talked about trying, uh, but... Uh, I mean, that... yeah, there's good trips and bad trips. Yeah. Uh, you take the good with the bad. Um, Brian's a bad father, uh, Brian's well, reunited Well, that's kind of a given. <laughs> yeah, just like, this, this is when Brian, uh, came back and he was a douche. We're gonna talk about that after all this. Okay, here's a fucked up one. Stewie is, uh, Anciente? Anciente? I don't know how to pronounce this word. Yeah. But, uh, Brian no longer wants to hang out with Stewie, so Stewie impregnates himself with Brian's DNA to try and force him to come back. That's... Unethical, in so many ways. Um, Screams of Silence, the story of Brenda Q. Um, Quagsmire's sister comes home with her abusive boyfriend. Uh, the guys try to help her, but nothing legal works. So it culminates in Quagmire and his friends killing her uh, boyfriend. Jesus Christ! Wow. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's, that 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 seems like it. it that's I would ca- that's kind of like you know too far for the guys. Yeah, it is. And then there's the uh, Herpes, the Love Sore. Where that, Brian, one looks, that one just looks gross. I've seen, like, still images from that. Where, where Brian and Stewie uh, sure do, like, a blood pact, but Brian didn't tell Stewie they actually does have herpes. What a dick and move. And Stewie uh, contracts it. What a dick move. And that's the episode. Oh, and let's not forget Quagmire's mom, where Peter throws a party and Quagmire has sex with a girl he believes is 23, but it's later revealed that she's underage. Uh, Quagmire goes on trial, and the only reason he doesn't go to prison is because his mother fucked the judge. Wow. What a great concept. Well, remember how I said uh, Quagmire has committed statutory rape multiple times. Yeah. I'm going to culminate this with Life of Brian. This is is the last one I'm going to bring up. 
Because it was actually a pretty major event. This is the episode that killed off Brian Griffin. Um, and then they uh, replaced him with a dog called Vinny. It was played by one of the guys from The Sopranos. I don't know his name. But um, the fact that not even two episodes after the fact, after all the fan backlash and all the petitions that were made to bring him back, the show was just going to bring him back anyways. Wow. So this whole episode, despite having like probably the biggest, hitting the most emotional nerve that Family Guy has ever hit in years, culminated in nothing. It was a gimmick. It was a ratings. It was tr- it was a it was a trick to get ratings. Wow. And then the the ratings like just tanked again. After well, no, because Brian turned into an asshole afterwards. It's like, hey, we killed off Brian Griffin. Now we're gonna bring him back, and he's gonna be worse than ever. What is it with these characters having cathartic moments and then turning into complete pieces of shit after they have their moments? No, it's family guy for yeah. you. They don't care. Yeah. Uh, I need to pick me up. What's our next topic? Uh, our next topic, unfortunately, it's kind of downhill from here, depending on how you feel about some of the running gags and cutaway gags. Well, we already mentioned the chicken fight. Uh, That's one. There are many running gags throughout the show and uh, like the de- the the greased up deaf guy hey everybody never gonna catch me why does the greased up deaf guy sound like herbert the pervert a guy we they, forgot they, to mention they, they talk alike yeah yeah i never liked that guy i never got the point of that joke but that's family yeah. guy for you um what else what other running jokes are there? there's there's cool whip cool whip cool whip where you put extra emphasis on the H? Um, one of my uh, least, fi- one of the most obnoxious jokes is, uh, so Brian, you gonna write a novel? You gonna have some character development? Yeah. Maybe uh, enrich your book by having a good idea? You know the novel you've been working on? Oh my fucking god! Jesus, no, his voice just gets more high, more higher of a pitch and more condescending. If Stewie is a hard voice for for Seth MacFarlane to do, then it's a testament to his voice acting skills that he's able to do that. Oh no, yeah. like I'm not saying Seth MacFarlane is untalented as a voice actor. I'm just saying it's like just that. Like it's an annoying joke. It's no, the the joke also overstays its welcome. Yeah, that and that's also another problem. The jokes are. The jokes go on for too long. I'll give you... And there's another example. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, Conway Twitty. Oh, Jesus Christ. What, like, okay. Yeah, that uh, that that debuted in the Juice is Loose episode, which is actually a pretty good episode, but it's completely ruined by the fact that they play, I shit you not, five minutes of Conway Twitty. Like we That watched, is one-fourth of an episode. Yeah, remember we were watching the... Oh, God. We were watching the episode, and like... It cut to this, and we want, and and I looked at you. Was like, "Do you want to skip this?" And you're like, "Yeah." We skip forward, and they play the entire song its entirety, and that got a lot of criticism. It's like, really, Family Guy? Are you just shitting on us? And they they they've they've used them less and less over the time. Like they don't use entire clips anymore. It's just like the first thirty seconds of a song or something. Yeah. Just such a weird, such a random thing. I don't even know why they thought that was funny to begin with. Well. Uh, also, uh, how do you, I feel, I'm not gonna shit too much on the cutaway gags, because well, cutaway some, gags is a whole other beast entirely. Well, the thing is, like, um, I'll give you an example of how a cutaway gag works. Peter will say something like, it's okay, Brian, we'll get you to the hospital, I'm good in a crisis, after all, I used to work the suicide hotline, and then they'll cut to a clip of Peter working in the suicide hotline. Remember the time I did this? Remember? 
like the time I did this and this. Some like some of them are really funny though. Like I'll give you an example. Like a, one time Stewie said, "Oh, this guy will fit in with our family as badly as badly as Peter fits in with the Proclaimers." And then they show Peter in a recording session with the Proclaimers singing. It's my turn now. I'm singing. I'm singing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, the, some cutaway jokes. But then it's not. It's not that every cutaway joke is either good or bad. It's the frequency of these cutaway jokes. Some episodes, like every every some minute of an ep- one minute of an episode, could have like two different cutaway gags. Oh, also or maybe even three. Yeah, when the show gets over reliant on cutaway gags, that's when it starts to become annoying. Also, um. This is a problem that I pointed out in our last episode with uh, Channel Awesome, or Doug, and the humor of Doug Walker. If th- these some comedy writers think referencing something it equals humor, and Family Guy really pulls its punches. No, it does it really overdoes it with the references? Yeah, I was gonna say like. We get it, Seth MacFarlane. You watch TV and movies as a kid in the eighties. Like, you make us aware of that fact. Every fucking episode of this show. And as the show goes on, it gets worse and worse. Your references get less and less effort put into them. Also, um, it's worth mentioning that the cutaway gags... Uh, Seth MacFarlane took the animation from Family Guy and made something called Seth MacFarlane's Cartoon Cavalcade, or as I like to oh, call Jesus it... Jesus fucking Christ. Seth MacFarlane's Cartoon Cavalcade is basically R-rated, rejected Family Guy sketches that didn't make it into episodes. And yeah, most of them are trash. They really are. I think the only one I liked was like the Mario one. What I I I, I could have sworn that was in a Family Guy episode. No, though. well yeah, there's like Mario and Family Guy, but the one where it's like uh, where he, he he the princess is like, no, don't kiss me. Like, no, I'm not kissing you. Okay, you know what? Forget it. Fuck it. Dragon eater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really hard. Yeah, the only one I liked. Um. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, because I, I almost forgot about it. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else? <laughs> uh, well, I'm just going through, so running gags, um, so, let's, so we kind of, we were going to talk about next about, like, criticism of the humor, the show's humor, we kind of already did that. I think, I think my biggest problem with the humor is that it's gotten a lot more mean-spirited. It's oh, for no sure. Longer, like, it, I understand it's always been an edgy show, and it's always been pushing buttons, but the characters have devolved to the point where it almost feels like I don't know if this is the intention, but I wonder if the show is trying to make the characters like almost in this they're in this reality where they know they're in a show and they've been stuck in it so long that they all hate each other. That would actually if they want to do a series finale of Family Guy, that actually could be a really poignant thing to do. Um I feel they have broken the fourth wall, like one of the funniest fourth wall jokes they've ever said is like and that's why you don't mess with the network. Eh, what are they gonna do? Cut our budget? I'm gonna get a beer. <laughs> like it's the most half-assed, like fucking animation yeah, you'll ever see. That, that's the joke. Yeah. But yeah. Um. Yeah. That's the thing. Like I, I, I appreciate um the earlier seasons of this Family Guy a lot more because it felt like a lot of jokes were more crafted and you know episodes yeah. felt more whole because they had like a plot and they yeah. uh, ended on a note. Now, mostly, you'd be lucky to find an episode nowadays that ends on an actual note. And that's kind of uh, too bad. Well, yeah, like, the, I will say, I've seen a handful of episodes, like, before the show got cancelled a second time. And, uh, 
they feel they have a, a do they have a consistent like plot to them. The story's easy to follow, and the plot evolves naturally, like how it, it should be in a show. And you, you kind of like the characters at this point. Well, not only that, like yeah, there's some wholesome elements to them. And in the later episode, as the show goes on, they go from cramp. They go from the classic A and B plot formula. They'll have like three or even four storylines crammed into 22 minutes. It's so crazy. Like, there's one episode that starts... Like, uh, I mentioned, uh, believe it or not, Joe's Walking on Air. There's actually, like, three... There's three plots in that episode. The first plot is uh, the wives of the guys all come to the drunken clam... So they feel like their 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 watering hole their guys night out watering hole has been overtaken by women. So they go and build their own club in Peter's backyard, and then the wives discover that too. And then at one of these parties, Bonnie talks about you know her sex life with Joe or lack thereof, and then Joe that inspires Joe to get handicapped. And then so Joe it goes from. The guys just wanting a, a quiet place away from their wives to Joe wanting to be, uh, to Joe wanting to have his legs back to Joe getting his legs back and turning into a big asshole to, uh, action movie knockoff where they have to recripple Joe. So there's like four plots in in one episode. Like it's too much, and that's not even the worst example I'm telling you. Like if, if you can think of another example off the top of your head. Uh, where, like, there's just too many things going on in one episode. Uh, I can't say I really can, but, yeah, I understand what you mean. Sometimes sometimes the B-plot feels almost superfluous. Like, yeah. I understand, like, it's just there to fill time. Well, well, going back to one thing I mentioned, like, I love Long John Peter, like I said, but the, fir- the, the, the first plot with Peter being a pirate seems almost completely forgotten, like, halfway through the episode. Mm-hmm. Like, the and the episode's called Long John Peter, you think the whole episode would be about that. No. Nah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, one of the things that uh, I also will say is that, like, the sh- like I said, the show's humor gets way more darker and way more mean-spirited. Uh, this can kind of, this kind of shows in an episode where, I, it's called, like, the the D in, like, Apartment 23, where I, I kind of may have flubbed the name, but the plot of this episode, it was released in 2017. The plot is this. Um, Brian reacts reactivates his twitter account to kind of you know spout his political agenda and one day he goes to see a movie at the theater oh, yeah. and uh he goes to see bay he has a choice between seeing either uh baywatch or what was that or right, i think it was right along Two. right something. along Two or baywatch which were both movies that were out in theaters at the time and he's like Ride along, ride along to her Baywatch. No thanks. I went to college, and apparent I'm gonna choose Baywatch because I went to college. Apparently, that was a dig at black people and how they're stereotypically uneducated. Mm-hmm. And every the whole Twitter sphere interprets that as Brian being a racist prick. Which, let's be honest, he is a racist prick. Like that's one of the things about Brian. In his all of his douchiness, he's a he's a, he's a covert racist. Like he won't. Yeah, because there's parts in the show where he'd bark at black people and just like, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's from my father's side. I'm so sorry. Yeah, like he's not a malicious like white supremacist racist, but he's a covert racist. So basically, he makes a, a racist joke, and then this results in it's it's obviously like an exaggerated, you know, what happens when you say the wrong thing on the internet. I mean. I, I will say my favorite part of the episode is when uh, Chris and Meg are in the cafeteria and they're all like talking about brian it's like your dog's an asshole get him out of here 
And it's like, it was just a joke. Oh, yeah. And then it culminates in this really epically done send-up of Casey yeah. and the Secret Service where what? they all kick ass to the beat of uh, Freebird by Leonard Skinner. I love that joke. And then it culminates, and then at yeah. the end of it, Chris is like, it's just a joke. And everyone's dead and later around. They also... That um, was awesome. They also... Well... The, the episode called... Brian makes an apology. Of course, no one fucking buys the apology. Because, you know... I, I, I have a question. And then it, the episode ends with him having to move into a really crummy neighborhood and just living the rest of his... However long it is in a cruddy apartment. I have a question. What's the question? So we talked about the humor. How do you feel about the animation? The animate... Well, eventually they stopped using hand-drawn, which, like, a lot of shows did. They now animate digitally, and that's when they redid the opening animation for the for the intro, for the theme song. Uh, how do I feel about it? Um, I've got to be honest. Um, I'm not an animation critic or connoisseur, but, like, I do notice when something switches from hand-drawn to flash, it's very noticeable for me. Well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so much concerned about the style, but the amount of animation in an episode. Like, do you feel like... Because I think the, one of the biggest criticisms of Family Guy, I'll let you know on this, is that more often than not, each and every scene is just a flat angle, two people sitting in a room talking, One, some, every now and then they'll lift their arms up while talking. Oh. Their animation, their, their facial expression doesn't change all that much. Um... You know what? I do notice that uh, where it's like wide shots or like medium wides or medium wides. They don't do like sh shot reverse shot where two characters are talking to each other. They, they used do. to do that in the earlier episodes, then they ditched that. Well, what I find is what they do now is that they do do shot reverse shot, but what they do is like when there's a big emotional punch, they'll do this thing where it's like there's a slow push in on the character behind the. It's like an over the shoulder, and. It, pushes past the character in the foreground and it's just a big emotional thing but then they'll keep opening and raising their arms up and down and that's it and then it just cuts to a wide wow it's like that that they do that so well, often now i don't I've like studying, that i've been studying the way they animate the show because as a director i kind of like keep an eye out for that sort of thing like how do they direct episodes of family guy yeah, more often than not, it's just like medium wides, flat angles, nothing really particular. Like Simpsons had more style back yeah. in the day. Um, one of the things I do, I do notice that now that you mention it. But one of the things I actually do kind of admire the show is when they want to recreate like a, a scene from a movie, they do it like almost frame for frame. Like with Star Wars, they recreate tons of iconic moments from the series with like ships. Uh, mainly with spaceships, but, like, they do it, like, almost to a T. There are moments where the animations shine. Like, remember that one part uh, in uh, Road to Rupert where uh, they recreate the Gene Kelly, uh, Jerry and the Mouse uh, yeah. dance sequence? Yeah. And instead they superimpose Stewie into it? That was pretty clever. Yeah, I know, that's... But I feel like... They didn't do a... it completely because you can still see... If you look at the animation, you can see Jerry's reflection in the floor. Uh, yeah. So they didn't get all of it, but, but um, that was pretty was, good, regardless. Yeah, but I think that I think it's a matter of budget, perhaps. Yeah, because they do get a lot of guest stars. Well, in the multiverse episode, they blew most of their animation budget by getting a Disney parody of like they go to a universe where everything's hand drawn by Disney and everything's so whimsical and the animation is just stellar. Yeah, and then there's like bits where it's like CGI and stuff. Like I, I understand that. I'm not saying Family Guy just has all around terrible animation. Yeah, but it's like 
I just notice the laziness sometimes. And more often than not, they don't really strive to, like, do better. Yeah. So, I want to end this episode with a comparison to that other cartoon family of five. Oh, yeah, that I mentioned a few minutes ago. Yeah, The Simpsons. So, um... It's no secret that when Family Guy came on the air and people started paying attention to it, people said, this is the same premise as The Simpsons. Like, you have a family of five and a mystem and their misadventures in a uh, suburban American town. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, like, how original, like, can that be? But despite the fact that, you know, the general premise, it was copied, there are tons of new, uh, of differences and nuanced uh similarities between the family guy and simpsons but ultimately i honestly feel like one works more so than the other and i'll tell you why we didn't even mention the crossover episode which was helmed by the family guy writing staff with simpsons approval Mm -hmm. so basically and i i was doing some research about like fun facts about family guy recently apparently when family guys got revived and started growing in popularity Matt Groening's son, all the kids at his school were talking about Family Guy and raving about it, and Matt Groening's son actually told Matt, I wish Seth MacFarlane was my dad. Holy fucking shit, are oh you my. serious? Well, I mean, I don't know if the if Channel Frederator that I saw that show on, that, that fact on, was being douchey or just edgy for the sake of being edgy, but... Uh, citation needed. That's just what that, I've heard. That's pretty harsh. Yeah. <laughs> it's all in good fun. So, at first, Matt Groening saw the show as competition, but then the shows evolved away from each other. And, well, or I, I, I wouldn't say that, because Simpsons kind of took on a lot of elements of family guys. Yeah, like the edgy humor. The mean-spiritedness and the uh, the need for references here and there and everywhere. Yeah. Um, I'd actually say Simpsons almost became a shadow of its, of its former self, and Family Guy for quite a while became more popular than The Simpsons. But now they're both kind of equally fading. They both in- overstayed their welcome, I would say. Yeah, except you have to remember, like, one of them has been around ten years longer than the other, and, uh, like, right as The Simpsons' heyday was ending, Family Guy's heyday began. So, it's kind of... And in in the... In 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 post uh, cancellation, Family Guy stole from The Simpsons a lot. Like that's something you have. Like there are jokes that are almost identical to jokes in The Simpsons, and many many videos have been made to stress that point. Um, but ultimately, though, um, here's what I gotta point out. Like um, the thing that I I think works about The Simpsons is that The Simpsons is a parody of life in America. But honestly. I have learned so much about, you know, North American culture and stereotypes and trends by watching The Simpsons. If The Simpsons have joked about it, it's it's what it it start it kickstarts, you know, your interest in the topic and it makes you want to learn more. The Simpsons does it with such charm that, you know, it's a parody of the world we live in. It's it's an exaggeration of the Springfield in The Simpsons is an exaggeration of the world we live in. Homer Simpson is the average American that everyone wishes they could be. Granted, Homer makes some unethical, reckless, and even dangerous decisions, but at the end of the day, he sees the error of his ways, and he always makes an effort to be, like, this wholesome person, and he acts like he learned something. Compare this to Quahog and Peter Griffin. Peter Griffin is 
a horrible, horrible influence that no one should ever strive to be like in their lives. Peter Griffin is a fucking cautionary tale compared to Homer Simpson. Because mm-hmm. Peter Griffin does morally reprehensible things and he learns nothing from them. No. And, that's what I mean. And the, the, the universe of Quahog, uh is completely, you know, oblivious to all the stuff that goes wrong. And uh, so much stuff that should be permanent damage gets completely retconned. Brian being resurrected two episodes later is actually the least of the show's problems. Because, like, how many times has Cleveland's house gotten destroyed? And that stupid bathtub gag? Oh yeah, we forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta stop taking my bath during Peter's shenanigans. Mm. Yeah. Funny. So, um... Should we, uh... Yeah, I do agree with you. I do think Homer's a well more relatable... A well a well more balanced character than Peter is. I think Peter's gotten way worse over the years, unfortunately. Well, how did you feel about the whole crossover episode? It was, uh... It was fine. I mean, it's... It, I mean, the problem is, it's when... It came out around the same time the shows were both in decline. Like, Simpsons season 26 or something. Yeah. Which is, like, a season no one talks about. And then, like, Family Guy season whatever, where it's like, yeah, you know, you guys have both been on the air for so long that you're both not nearly as good as you used to be. Do you feel like if they did the crossover in 2006 or seven, it would have been more meaningful? That would have been awesome, because that's when, around the time the Simpsons movie came out, that yeah. was when I was really a fan of both shows. Yeah. And they were at the height of their powers. Yeah. So, absolutely. I would have loved it. But now it's like 10 years later and I'm old and I have pain all over my body and I'm just like racked with like, ugh, this is so, this is so like not as good as it used to be. Like both shows have, you know, used you and abused you and it's like, now you want me to enjoy this? Okay. Yeah. Um, But the family guy humor does not gel well with the Simpsons humor. Well, they kind of show that by like the Simpsons, the, 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 the Griffins are run out of Springfield because in the plot, they go to Springfield and Springfield is too PC compared to Quahog. So what happens is like, uh, the, like there's an, there's a character arc where, you know, Lisa inspires Meg to be, like, you know, the best version of herself. And then Meg repays her, like, I'll never forget you, Lisa. I carved your name into my arm. And, like, Lisa Simpson all bloodied. And, and Lisa's just like, what the fuck? I was like, oh, okay. And then, uh... Yeah. You'd think that Marge and Lois would be best friends. And they get along well, but, um... That's not... There's not much more to it than that. But yeah, because they're not, like, the funny part of the show. Yeah, but also, uh, they try to establish, like, this, this friendship with, uh... Bart and uh, Stewie. Stewie, but unfortunately, because Maggie can't talk, so like Stewie would have no connection with her. But because Bart and Stewie are both bad boys and they're both evil geniuses to a degree, uh, no, Stewie Stewie takes Bart's troubles and takes and goes and responds way too far. Like there's an episode where like Nelson bullies Bart as he has been doing throughout the entirety of the show, and Stewie basically kidnaps and tortures nelson and bart's like whoa what the fuck dude yeah it really shows how great chris is as a character when he can't even be in the same level as bart simpson yeah writers don't care about but yeah that's what i mean like this show doesn't mesh with simpsons because simpsons doesn't go that far well also there's also uh jokes that there's this is probably the one time where you'll see ralph wiggum die you know that (laughs) meme (laughs) i'm in danger (laughs) 
Um, but yes, that's uh, the compa- that's that's comparison. Um, you got to acknowledge that both cr- the creators of both shows are notorious for hating crossovers. But Family Guy helmed it ultimately because Seth MacFarlane was convinced that a crossover could work. Because remember, this guy's a child of the '80s. He, he's so mm-hmm. nostalgic that like he was overly optimistic with the fact that you know he's like, okay, I think a crossover with The Simpsons could work. But I feel like The Simpsons like did so out of like you know uh, it like, it was trying ine- to capitalize. It was inevitable, and they, yeah, I think they both could have used a ratings boost at around this time in yeah. the show show's history so you know i'm not against it (laughs) i'm not against it but like it's just like i know it could have been so much better and i wish it came out around the time the shows were still like highly relevant yeah maybe we should like wrap this up with our conclusion how how do you feel about family guy some i'm not a religious watcher like i was with the simpsons we can't we're we can't milk like four more episodes out of this <laughs> no we did not go season by season stay in our yeah episode, um no. we might if i like i were to binge family guy and maybe we could do something like that later on but for now yeah, like this top 10 or something yeah no top 10 family Guy episodes maybe we'll do but ultimately for now i it's not a show i watch too too often but when i do i can enjoy myself a lot as ever and even though like through the show is ridiculous what makes it work is it's a momentary laugh, and some of the laughs are memorable. But a, the sad reality is that a lot of the a lot of the laughs are not that memorable. And what's really sad about that is every time I remember a joke from Family Guy, I have to look it up which episode it's from. With The Simpsons, I instinctively remember which episode had the joke that made me laugh. But with the Family Guy, because the, the, the cutaway gags are so sprawled out over and the, the plot lines are so sporadic, I have to I have to look up the joke and then I have to look up the episode where it's from. That's an excellent point, Evan. I actually do feel like Family Guy on the whole, you don't remember the episodes that well. You remember the jokes. Yeah, but if I go on YouTube for like an hour and just watch Family Guy bits, I'm going to laugh. Yeah, but I'm not gonna feel like I'm not gonna remember what episode is from because it's all disconnected. Yeah, with the Simpsons, they have a, they're better at doing a flowing narrative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I I feel like Family Guy is funny in bits. Yeah, it certainly has its moments. I it certainly has critiques. Yeah, I think it's at its best when it's just like chops, which is interesting. Why the cavalcade of cartoon comedy didn't work very well. Yeah, but like that's that's the thing. Or like, American Dad. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even mention American Dad. <laughs> um, like, Seth MacFarlane, crea- just like Matt Groening, created Futurama, like, shortly after The Simpsons had its heyday. Futurama is way better than American Dad. Yeah, no, but look, so Seth MacFarlane got uh, two other shows, apart from Family Guy, Greenlit, that were running simultaneously. Like, American Dad came on the scene in 2005, and it was basically Family Guy animation. But American Dad doesn't, doesn't look like a very interesting premise. Not really, no. Yeah. And, and don't forget the movies he made. He made Ted and Million Ways to Die in the West and Ted 2. All the while working on Family Guy and Jesus these other two shows. How do you sleep? Like, the, okay, here's a funny story that's related. Do, do you know that um, what, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the creators of South Park, oh, yeah, they made nice. a live-action comedy called Basketball while they were working on South Park and they didn't their sleep patterns were completely destroyed the reason why is because they took on basketball they pitched basketball to a studio and it got greenlit they chose to direct it and star in it or they no they, they chose they chose to, to, to they chose to act in it 
while they believed that South Park would get canceled because I thought South Park's too edgy. It's going to get canceled. South Park got <laughs> renewed for a second season. They thought it was, they thought South Park was going to be canceled after one season. It got renewed for a second season. So they were in a really awkward position where Trey Parker and Matt Stone had to, had to act in the movie by day and write South Park by night and create and produce South Park by night. You can't fucking sleep under those conditions. Yeah, no. Jesus Christ. That's a crunch. Yeah, no, it, it was, they're but... Pretty, like, there's a documentary about how hard it is to make a season of South Park under their under their time constraints. But we're not here to talk about that. Yeah. So, yeah, Family Guy. Um, for me, I kind of just stick to the original run. I watch seasons one to three, like, pretty often. That's Those are the seasons I always go back to fondly. I have a warm nostalgia for those that era of Family Guy. That's not to say there aren't any good episodes afterwards. For sure there are. But I just get more out of the original run than, than yeah. the re-release or the, the, the post-revival. Yeah. That's that's how I feel about that. Well, I feel like that's uh, a decent note to end on. It's not perfect, but there's something enjoyable like here and there. That's the best way I can describe Family Guy. Um, so I hope you enjoyed our little show. Oh, um, before we go, there is one reoccurring gag that I completely forgot to mention. Well, what's that, Evan? What, you haven't heard? Crap! Bad, 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 bad,